Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. That Taj Mahal of steak and shakes in downtown <laughs> Indy is the most Midwestern place in all of the Midwest. It's either that or like an like an iron ore loading dock in Duluth. <laughs> One of the two. It goes back and forth. Pete Thimmel! I still just have no idea why the people that need an expanded playoff the most aren't standing on the table for an expanded playoff. With SI's Pat Forty! Nick Saban has warped college football, for one thing. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan! All right, welcome to the pod. Happy New Year, all our listeners. And uh, my co-host, fine producer, gentlemen, how are you all doing here? 2022 is here. It is 1.52 a.m. Saturday, January 1. And uh, we're first pod of the year, first of many. And uh, hopefully we have better games. And uh, yeah. another semifinal slog. Alabama, 27. Cincinnati, 6. Georgia, 34. Michigan, 11. The rematch is upon us. Georgia-Bama, SEC title game rematch. Here we are. You know, we'll get to this. Let's talk about the games, but then we're going to get to, like, why does this keep happening in our semifinals in the sport? (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote a column that was basically, like, (laughs) greatest hits from our last eight podcasts condensed (laughs) of, like, the system. And, yeah, it's just, like, how do you... How do you describe the system is is screwed up in like a new and different way? Yeah, I mean it's just, it's it's depressing, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's congrats to Georgia and Alabama. They play great. Yeah, yeah, and, it's um, great. Yeah, and it'll but, be a good game. Like we're not going to sit here and tell you, oh, the game's oh, no, going to no. stink. It's going like, to be great. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's going to be great. There's a ton of storylines, yeah. and these are the two yeah, best teams. So all good. It's just. Um, you know, you get excited for for the semifinals. It's it's the final four. It's you know, AFC NFC conference championships. It's uh, you know whatever you expect something good to happen, and year after year, it's not. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. We've had a couple good games, couple surprising results, but for the most part, it's just utter domination in these. Why don't why don't we start there? Because we will get to the games. I, I'll, I'll give a quick recap. If you're just waking up extremely groggy and you did not change the paradigm of your New Year's Eve. <laughs> Alabama kicked Cincinnati's ass, and their defense was really good. And Georgia kicked Michigan's ass, and their defense was really good. And there you go. So we'll get to we'll get to the details of the, the of these uh, aforementioned ass kickings 
But like, I don't even think Cincinnati and Michigan were all that. Like, they're sort of like, yeah, you know, like yeah, we didn't do that bad. I mean, Michigan didn't do well, but I, I thought Harbaugh was kind of had a point. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty good season for us. Like, what what's going on, Pat? What is happening? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, for one, like Nick Saban has warped college football for one thing. Okay, well, let's look at it just from from that standpoint. Is this is what they do? They get into a semifinal and they crush the guts out of whoever they're playing. You know, this this game reminded me a fair amount of uh, Alabama-Washington 2016. You know, Washington, it wasn't like Washington didn't have a plan. It wasn't like Washington didn't try or they were scared or anything like that. They just weren't good enough. And I thought Cincinnati was in the same position. You know, it's not like, don't, don't come near me with anything like saying Cincinnati didn't belong. Uh, they belonged. They should have been in there. They were not good enough against the greatest coach of all time with, you know, a ridiculous uh, reservoir of talent and the, the Heisman winner and maybe the best defensive player both in the country. So that happened. And Kirby Smart is Nick Saban wannabe, right? He might have certainly he'd say he has the talent. I don't know whether he has the, you know, the preparation acumen where you give him three weeks and it's just game over. but. I mean, they've got the they, they they absolutely had the talent advantage over Michigan. Now, to me, like Michigan flopped. All right, that was a really that was not a good performance. They that game was over after two possessions. It was fourteen it was. to nothing, and it wasn't a like oh play here, play there. No, it was like Georgia just did what they wanted to do, uh, and so that was the one that really surprised me. I you know I I thought both games would be a little bit closer, but but the fact that Georgia just Boat raced Michigan. Now, I I will give more credit to Georgia than I will say that Michigan just sucked because I thought Georgia played the way they had all year, except for when they played Alabama. You know, I mean, Georgia had a great season. They were utterly dominant defensively all year, and they were dominant in this game. Uh, and their offense was plenty good. I mean, they made a lot of plays. Stetson Bennett was really good. He made great decisions. One thing that Kirby Smart said, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to go too much into the game stuff yet, but but yeah, let, let's he, just say this. Okay, so let me look uh, yeah. back to this. We'll get, we'll get to it. And because yeah. you were down there, I mean, we have. I'm going back through all of the semifinal games, and we had the great Clemson Ohio State game in 2020, 2019, right? 2019, 20. Yeah, okay, 2019. Yeah, yeah season, right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I guess that. And I don't think that was January first. We had the the overtime classic in 17 slash 18, the Rose Bowl uh, between Georgia and uh, Oklahoma. And, you know, we had early on, we had Ohio State obviously beat Alabama. And that was put, a great I mean, game. That was a tremendous game. But yeah, we've that, had three we, good ones in eight years. That's it. Yeah. So that's three, three and 13 kind of dogs. So, I, you know, I think the your point, it's not, I don't know what it is. Uh, there's not like fix this and it, they did fix it. Um, I think your point on the, the lapping is a big, is broken. You know, Alabama. Their talent is is ridiculous. I'm looking at the 24-7 sports, puts out a composite talent ranking. They're number one. Georgia's number two. Uh, there's a decent gap to number three, Ohio State. And there's a huge gap when you get down to Michigan, which is 15th. And, and you know, they got a whole formula, but they're five-plus points, you know, basically 5%. Were, you know, I mean, it's a whole mess of different things. I think there were 17. Uh, anyway, Alabama is great, and Georgia's great, and, and you take great talent. Recruiting isn't everything, but if you take 
recruiting and then put them into in front of a great coach with a great system like Alabama has. And Georgia now certainly has that system. Kirby Smart can has got a ways to go to he proves that he's as great of a coach as Nick Saban. It's going to work. And and so these these top teams, but even when it's not Georgia, it's just sort of blowout city. What would you come up with, Pete, on why why can't we get a good semi? Yeah, it, it, it's a good question. And and I think this uh, 11 years ago that, you know, if you give them a couple of a uh, couple of shots at Jameson, all the commissioners at the time that weren't the SEC commissioner will admit that that Alabama LSU matchup basically prompted them to expand the playoff. Now, that's a very condensed version of a complicated system, but the playoff had been talked about for decades and it was the BCS, which was its own cluster as Dan can attest to, and he'll probably tell you to buy buy a copy of the book. They basically said, okay, a, a, a two-team playoff is not enough because two SEC teams got there. And that was the trigger. That was the lever. In the 11 years since, there's been, th- well, including that year, there's been three all-SEC title game matchups now. The, the column I wrote Saturday night for, for Yahoo basically said, look, just because today's a dud and these semis have been duds and they've been decided by an average of 21, that's not a reason to expand the playoff. But to me, it's a reminder that more leaders around the sport should be arguing for an extended playoff because, you know, we're going to have 10 days of SEC sing-chong chants and they're going to march up to Indianapolis and it's going to be a celebration of self and a reminder of how much they've pulled away from the rest of the sport. These bulls, and the bulls are great, we love bulls, no one on this podcast is arguing there should be less bulls. But these bulls have been a reminder of the bulls' decreasing relevancy. Nobody you talk to in college sports, bull system people, ADs, coaches, think the bulls are heading in a good direction with the opt-outs and with the way things are headed. And, and you could argue there were some team opt-outs <laughs> because, of, uh, because of COVID tests. So the whole system needs to be stepped back and look at, but there's nobody in charge, as we've talked about many times. So if you are the Pac-12 commissioner, and I mean, the last time they had a team in the playoff, I believe it was Washington when Chris Peterson was the coach, which is like six years and three coaches ago, right? So wouldn't you want this Utah team to take a swing at somebody? Because you're just like, again, the Rose Bowl is great. We all love the Rose Bowl, but you're just kind of playing a game that not a lot of people care about on sa- on Saturday, right? Like you're just, it's just, so wouldn't you want this really good Utah team in this great season that they've had? especially since Cam Rising became the QB and they start to truck people? Wouldn't you want it reframed through a relevant game as opposed to a diminished game? And I know it means a lot to people at Utah and like they're all going to go show out at the Rose Bowl. But I, I just really feel like you wouldn't want to step back. And and what if Clemson takes a little bit of a step back here with its coordinators leaving and everything like that? Wouldn't the ACC say, hey, maybe we'd like to have Pitt, you know, maybe like to have Kenny Pickett chucking balls around the yard Instead of, you know, going to Exos with his trainer and uh, and leaving his team behind to, to lose a Peach Bowl that they made clear wasn't really that important. So if you're really in charge of like everything is I still just have no idea why the people that need an expanded playoff the most aren't standing on the table for an expanded playoff. And that's what today was a reminder of more so than, oh, God, the SEC's in the title game. We need to we need to expand the playoff because SEC's earned it. They're better. They've yes. had better TV deals. They've had better leadership. Their programs have figured out ways to recruit better rosters. So God bless them. They're ahead. If you keep the playoff smaller, you're that's not the right avenue to catch up to Alabama and Georgia and the SEC. You catch up to them by squaring off with them. 
like Ohio State did in 14 when Ezekiel Elliott charged down, ran through the smoke and charged down the side of the field. That was like a great equalizer moment in college football. And you're just giving yourself less at-bats at, at this point, not to mention less money. <laughs> there aren't exactly a lot of ways these places can make more money. So to me, kicking these games off at 1230 Pacific on a workday, weekday, <laughs> non-holiday, and then slogging through a seven-hour NyQuil chug is just a perfect reminder of how wonderfully flawed, generally beautiful, and completely nonsensical college football is. 100% that, yes, that that obviously one more reason why we should have a bigger playoff, you know. And again, we may not get better semifinals. We may have some bad quarterfinals. But we will have more teams, more fan bases, more regions of the country involved. We'll have games on campus, those 5 through 12 games that I think could be really good and a lot of fun because I do think, generally speaking, once you get past Team A or B, at the top of the food chain, there's not as much separation, three through 12. So you're going to get some fun games in some different venues and more, again, more people involved, more inclusive uh, with a bigger playoff. So, uh, you know, they, they, if everybody wants to keep playing into the SEC's hands, okay. As, as Greg Sankey has said, we're fine with four because we're, we're winning with four. We've got we've got the all SEC championship game. They're going to win their third straight national title, and they're going to have their second all SEC final out of five years. Everything is coming up sevens for them at the craps table. Every time Greg Sankey says we're fine with four, he's saying we're fine with four, and you're too stupid to realize you need more. <laughs> like that's really yeah, what he's right. saying. No, that's exactly like, he what is, he's saying. He is completely trolling. All the other commissioners. Every time he says, hey, we're fine with four. Hey, yeah. keep toddling around in your little peach bowl, all right? Keep <laughs> keep, keep futzing around your foosball in your irrelevant little games, and we'll keep doing this. And if you are too stupid to realize that I'm patronizing you, I'm going to keep patronizing you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, they have to find a way to spread out the recruiting. Uh, there's just too much talent in this game. 17 rivals, five stars on Georgia, three on Michigan. Mm. Uh, we talk about the five stars as first round draft picks. I thought Michigan, because a couple of the guys that are really good on Michigan weren't five stars like Hutchinson and Haskins. And then I thought because the quarterback play quarterback is like, it really helps if he's a five star. I mean, quarterback's the most important position and that's not like, maybe you can get something going. I thought that talent wouldn't be would be a little closer, but when when Bennett's just throwing these little like out to the flat routes and they're just going for fourteen, it's <laughs> um, just too much talent, and they have to find a way to get more more people to get recruits. Now, how do you do that? I don't know. It's not <laughs> it's not easily uh, accomplished. But when you watch like a kid like Brock Bowers coming from Napa, California, right. To play for fun. You see a player. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And Bryce Young's from California, and everybody's coming in to the SEC. They have the, they have the, these guys had easily the best number of the best players. And so the one thing I do think, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, the NIL, perhaps that helps spread it out. And it's not necessarily that they're all going to do it, but like, I, I mean, even look, you look at the top five players this year, Jackson State. Carolina, Missouri, all got players, right? NIL was a big part of that, presumably. 
But if you look overall, this is Rivals top 101 players. I added one just to, to help my staff. <laughs> <laughs> I could do 100, but 32 of the top 100. It's 30, 2022. Do you, Dan? It's 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 two in the morning. I'm drinking a 25 ounce Coors Light while I drink. Oh, uh, wow! Uh, all right, a big one. Got the extra ounce. You need that extra ounce. Um, Hundred players, 25 yeah, ounces. Thirty, <laughs> yeah, 32, 30, 33 of the top 101 recruits in the rivals rankings are cur- are signed uh, with uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A and M. That's one third of the top 100 players in the country. And and A and M is going to get like three or four more. Like yeah. there'll be four or five more. That that number will end up at like thirty eight or something. That's three schools all in one league. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it, it's not, and they're signing them from all over. I mean, A and M's getting like, everybody wants to play in this league. You have to make your rest of your leagues relevant. I do think that if you go to that twelve and you have that first round game, that let's put it this way: that let let's let's pretend Kenny Pickett and, and Kenneth Walker played in that Peach Filet Bowl. <laughs> is that like a chick-fil-a sandwich with peaches sliced on they did have, a, they did have an amazing peach milkshake uh for a while did there they? so th- there is a little bit of a tie there peach filet sure. bowl i am so tired of these chick-fil-a commercials where the workers at the chick-fil-a are like the greatest people on earth and i i i hope they are and that's terrific i assume this stuff is true but every time I go to Chick-fil-A, the poor people are so freaking overwhelmed because there's yeah. like a thousand people trying to order a chicken sandwich. And they're like, ah, Wendy, ah, Julia, ah, someone's yelling at them for oh, I, I, I want it. like, how do they have time to be like, oh, Carl, he comes in every week. I talk to him. And I, no, that's not the Chick-fil-A's I go to. Where are these magical Chick-fil-A's? <laughs> Where the poor They're workers in- have time to get to know you. Oh, and oh, I know she loves gardening, so I bought her a, like what? All right, anyway. They're in Bainbridge, Georgia. They're not I in I don't Detroit. know where this is. So. Every Chick-fil-A I go to, the poor people, yeah. I mean, I just don't. They're, pay your workers more, please, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay? Make them work on Sunday, but pay them more. Anyway, <laughs> 33 of the 101. This is a problem. Yeah. Okay? In three years... We're going to be sitting there going, I don't know, A&M kicked the crap out of somebody. And they have to figure it. So I do think if you take that, you take that Michigan State to go back to it, like the Michigan State, they had the pick at the end and it's a great play. And you go, ah, oh, it's kind of fun game. And you go, are they dumping mayo on this guy? Like, is this a real? Like, instead, it would have been like this epic night for Michigan State. And if that thing sure. had happened at, up in up in Beast Lansing, and the crowd's going crazy, and the recruits are in on the sidelines, and the whole thing, yeah, whole different deal. And right. so you have to create excitement for teams and leagues and places in the country outside of these couple things. Because I don't blame these recruits sitting there going, I, "I'm in Napa no. Valley, I'm going to go to Georgia because I can't win up here. This is boring out here." Well, yeah. And, so maybe and, that helps a little and you start chipping away and in a few years, it's not 33, uh, you know, a third or 40 percent of the top 100 going to three schools. It's, you know, it's 25 percent. I mean, anything's better than this. So your theory, Dan, is the playoff becomes a greater showcase for the sport. Yes. And if you showcase more programs in the sport and offer more opportunity, there could be some talent distribution equity. Yes. Yeah. It gives reason 
for a kid to say I, I something yeah. great happened. You win a playoff game, it's like making the Sweet 16 in basketball. You don't all have to go to the same three, three, five schools, whatever. That's just, I, I mean, I, I, there has to be, there's no legislative way, right? We're not going to take recruiting and be like, we're going to have a draft now. No, no. Nobody no. wants that. Kids should go to the best places. They're always going to sit there. Nick Saban will retire, but there'll be another. You know, little things will help. Lincoln Riley is going to change the paradigm of recruiting in California. I believe that. All right. He already has. Um, that'll, that'll chip away. Anything that chips away at this talent would help. Like, it's just, if, if it's just like, instead of it's 17, five stars against three, it's 12 versus five. Well, right. that's better than what it's we a got here. Closer. And yeah. then maybe it's yeah, maybe it's thirty-four to twenty instead of thirty-four yeah, yeah. to three <laughs> with a doink touchdown right. and a right. two-pointer. At maybe end. it's not after two series. I mean, look, Georgia yeah. runs down the field. It's like, oh, forget it. What the heck? Yeah. No. And then and then they stop them. Michigan gets a drive going. They stop them and then bang. And like you said, so game's over. And then Jordan Davis kid, runs down Haskins like he's a grizzly yeah. bear. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. is oh, oh, shit. That was unbelievable. Was but yeah. you can't – Michigan's not winning the game with Cade McNamara backed up. I mean, boy, they had to come back. And by that point, McNamara had fumbled and been picked. You know, they put McCarthy in. But that's not what Michigan's built to do. So the game's over. Right. Yeah. Like, we no. got to do something to spread the talent out. But it has to be a very organic uh, – you know, nobody wants some – you know, no one wants like heavy regulation. It's just like if you're, I, I think you're you're right, Pete. Like if you're Klykov and you're you're Jim Phillips, the ACC, and you're saying I need somebody, I need to showcase stuff more. The only way is to have playoff games. Yes, and that's, on your no, campus. Yeah, right. That's it. You 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 make you get the platform with the games, and then. You win the games, and as Pete was saying, where like you know, for ten days we're going to talk about the SEC. Well, you win those first round games, then for a week people are talking about your programs, and then you win the next round, and your people are continuing to talk about your and programs. Then if you get killed, you get killed. But right. something really because what I heard tonight was was Harbaugh make an interesting point because I think this is one of the greatest teams in Michigan history. And you go, what he just got here? He just got well. It actually was. Yeah, no, it was. Okay, in the old days, they wouldn't have had to beat Iowa in the Big Ten title game. And then B, they would have just uh, gone off and played Utah in the in the Rose Bowl. And maybe they win and they end up, hell, they might have gotten a share of the national title. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because Alabama really would have played like Notre Dame in the Notre Dame would have played like Alabama in the Sugar Bowl or something. And maybe they split the title because there would have been enough voters in the mid Midwest that didn't like this. I mean, you know, I mean, this is the absurd thing we had. But uh, Bo Schembeck wouldn't have to do this. So, and 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 so, and then obviously, I mean, look, Cincinnati did did fine, right? They got there, but it's like, imagine, I just they got to do something. Yeah, this isn't no. working. I mean, it's working no. for these schools, but as a sport, right? No, uh, it's not. It's not. It's not good for the sport, but. Again, th it is a hard cycle to break, especially when you turn on the TV on Sunday and there's Alabama players all over the field in every game, you know, and now increasingly there's going to be Georgia players on the field in every game. And the 2019 LSU guys are all over the field, you know, and it's like, guess what? That's where the recruiting really accelerates is when you just say, yeah, just watch the NFL. That could be you if you come to school here. So... 
if you look at where who would have hosted games this year, uh, so Georgia would have gotten dropped out because they would not have been a conference champ, and actually Baylor, number seven, would have ended up in the top four. <laughs> they would have got a bye. <laughs> hey, this is what they want. Yeah. But Georgia would have hosted a game. Notre Dame would have hosted a game. Ohio State would have hosted a game. And Ole Miss would have hosted a game. Oh, that wouldn't have been cool at all. Those are four really lame stadiums. No history. <laughs> no, no one would have been excited. There would have been empty seats ever. God, that would have grown during a playoff for, game. Thank God we party. missed that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma State, Michigan State, Utah, Pitt all would have gotten in, I guess. Um, whatever. And, and like, obviously, Baylor's sneaking. It would have been better if Baylor hosted. I, th- I think if you're and then eventually they're going to sit there and go, hey, this hosting thing is great. I think that's why Notre Dame said, Hey, we'll we'll just host every time we if we got a good team, we're hosting because they're looking at it like, man, I'll showcase my campus. I'll take that dome snowflake sure. coming down. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do this. Couple yeah. couple million dollar check too. That's not, that's yeah, and, hurt. and that, great for the college that gold, town. That dome don't get paid gold without any gold, Dan. <laughs> it increases the interest, the 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 sales because even making the playoffs, like. I know coaches in Notre Dame said their recruiting's gotten better by their playoff appearances, even when they get smoked. And yeah. I, obviously, Cincinnati's going to get a a bump out of this. Now, you know, I'm not saying they're going to start nailing top ten classes, but the, I, I don't know where Luke Fickle goes. And if he stick continues to recruit his area, Luke Fickle's in your high school. Like everyone's pretty excited, right? And 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 Harbaugh, I think, has got a chance, uh, particularly if he can, you know, I. You know, particularly if he can get the 2023 kids out of Detroit to really return, you know, take a take a step up. Like, it's just a great thing making the playoff and then you get crushed. But if you win a game and then you get crushed eh, like in pro sports, man, Cleveland Browns won one playoff game and you couldn't get, you know, you couldn't get Baker Mayfield off your television. The city went bananas. Now they, they're not any good this year, but what? The Bills win two playoff games and everyone goes crazy. Like, just win a playoff game. It's the biggest thing that could possibly happen. Yeah. It's so powerful. So get in the playoff out. and then win a game. Yeah. And it's creating an experience, too. If you're a student at Ole Miss and you come back from break for a playoff game, that's like a once-a-college experience. The Bama students really showed out today. That that shot of the Bama student <laughs> section, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right with the the sixty five year old people in the student in the Live Moss student section. And what was that? That, that, was, that was like some sponsored bit that they were going to show yeah, the students. Taco Bell, you know, the Live yeah. Moss uh, student section. But all the I, smart on the Bama. Like we're either saving my. I, I will sell. I'll resell this. Pay half my tuition next semester. Like, sure. Yeah, and, the, and then yeah, we'll see you in Indy. Right. Yeah, a bunch of gray hairs. In uh, in that thing, how about this insult for the old Big Ten? This should motivate the Big Ten. A bunch of SEC fans are going to take over the Steak and Shake in downtown Indianapolis. <laughs> wow, I didn't may, think about that. May yeah. or may not be the epicenter of the Midwest. Yeah, you could right? you could make an argument that 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 Taj Mahal of Steak and Shakes in downtown Indy is the most Midwestern place. In all of the Midwest. It's either that or like an like an iron ore loading dock in Duluth. One of the two. It goes back and forth. 
So that steak and shake, Dan, you've really opened up a window of possibilities here. Uh, <laughs> and, and if you're, if you're from the SEC you know listening Orleans, to this. Like the, the Alabama yeah. fans always had bad things happen at the Crystal. Well, that is now going to be yeah. the steak and shake on that corner. What is it? Maryland and Illinois, maybe? Yeah, somewhere. Something like okay. that. Somewhere all, around there. They're all complaining because it's going to be cold and all this. You guys ain't been there. Go the steak. First off, go to Slippery Noodle Inn. Great bar. Okay. <laughs> Great bar. Drink the Slippery Noodle. Yeah, yeah, like they're spending their $5,000. Tremendous bar. The, Start opened Auburn in 1880. They, they used to have like a you had horse stable. Like you had rode your horse to that bar. It's a great bar. And then go to the steak and shake. The steak and shake is so Midwestern. Like it, it's, it's not. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. That or the iron ore loading dock. That, you know. <laughs> they treasure that place, man. You will insult every <laughs> Big Ten fan. <laughs> who loves Indy with all of their Big Ten love and heart. Oh, yeah. So do oh, you think, Dan, that Auburn, which probably had to pay a fine to the NCAA after its recent uh, recent hearing, do you think they could have Auburn night at the Slippery Noodle while Alabama's in town? And Georgia. Oh, boy. Oh, no, yes. See, that's a good point, too. I'm going to say, the then. SEC has contributed quite well to the law firms of Indianapolis <laughs> through the years. So, yes. Yes, it has. <laughs> Welcome home. You're t- <laughs> it's, it's, it's Ice Auburn Miller. It's sponsored by Ice Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, they're not going to. Yeah, there's been <laughs> a lot seven of good. people are going to get that joke, but that's okay. Oh, but it's a good one. It's a it's good a, joke. It's Nobody's a, uh, eight people will get it, but it's a good one. It's a uh, it's a law firm that these schools hire to uh, defend them against uh, when they're when they're accused of nefarious conduct by the uh, National Collegiate Athletic Association. Uh, yeah, you chant. I want it. I want video of 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 Bama and Georgia fans arms linked chanting SEC SEC over a Frisco burger or whatever the hell they have there at the at the slip at the uh, at the at the steak and shake. <laughs> there will be people in Iowa three. will just have a heart attack. Like that's yeah. my booth during the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> I met Missy Lou right there. That should be the call to arms for the Big Ten right there. It's right. Just... Expand the damn playoff and keep these guys out of our steak and shake. <laughs> uh, Is this going to be like the, the the Bunker Hill, like a seminal moment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is it. That steak and shake is also uh, in in sporting lore best known for the place that many, many, many NFL coaches over the year have showed up at like blacked out drunk at three thirty in the morning during the oh, NFL combine. During the combine, I mean, sure. We've seen we've seen some in the Final Four. Quite a few drunk basketball Final coaches have stumbled in there too. That, that's, the old Nike Amer- All American camps, yeah, a lot oh, of, yeah. yeah. There's a lot oh, of yeah. traditions All going on in there. A lot of traditions. So it's, it's a tradition rich. It, it, it's you wouldn't think it's a it's a it's a monument to, to athletics, but it is. And we should uh, we should we should bring up Ock, God rest his soul, uh, Jim O'Connell, oh, yeah. great Associated Press writer. When he went to Indianapolis, would eat at Steak and Shake every single night. And Indianapolis night. has some pretty good restaurants. Ock, let's go right to Steak and Shake. Ock lived dinner. in New York. And uh, which is home to a couple good restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was obsessed with Steak and Shake. Yes. Yeah. God bless Ackman. What a great guy. Great writer. Awesome guy. Yeah. He's the guy like you didn't know his byline, but when you grew up, he was in your newspaper. Like he every covered. Yeah, yeah. Every day covering college sports and all that. All right. So these games, um, 
what do you take from, is there anything to take from this Alabama-Cincinnati game? Um, to me, it looked like, I thought it was masterful game plan by Saban. It was just like, we're better than you. We're not going to give up a big play. I want to see you dry. I want you to see you get first down after first down against us, and let's see what happens. We're not we're not falling for anything. Uh, I thought Cincinnati did okay, but when Bama's really good, they're good. And you know, Ritter struggled with the pressure, and you know, it's pretty pretty basic. Seventeen to thirty two for one forty four. I thought it was pretty basic stuff. Pete, what'd you think of? Uh, was there anything you saw from Bama today, uh, or any anything you took from Cincinnati today that's worth worth noting? I mean. Bill O'Brien had a great game plan coming out. He ran 10 straight times to open the game, I believe, and then they scored an eight-yard touchdown pass. And he said, I'll take your goofy little 3-3-5, and I'll hit it with a sledgehammer over and over, and I'll move the ball directly down the field. Now, Cincinnati did adjust, and I thought that game was more competitive at least. Like, there was a time, like, there was like, I just felt like Georgia just put its foot right on Michigan's throat and really never let it up. Like, there were some embers of hope for Cincinnati there was that muff punt where you're like, okay, it's 10 to three. And if they get that, that and, you know, um, now look like Alabama won, they won decisively. They were the better team. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not naive here, but at least there was like, there was some semblance of drama that carried through that game I- into the early second half. I was stunned that Cincinnati didn't run Ritter more. Like everybody thought they were going to run Ritter more. And I don't believe they called the design run for him in the first half. And then they called two in the, uh, opening drive of the second half, and they had some success. And again, I just, that didn't make a lot of sense. If you're going to be, you know, look, we've seen this at, for decades in college football. If you're going to, if you have inferior talent, which they did, an inferior offensive line, which they definitely did, you need to neutralize those disadvantages through tempo and through the QB run game. And it just didn't, uh, didn't see it. Uh, I thought that would have given them a little better chance to hang around. And uh, that was probably the one thing strategically that really, uh, that really struck me. And Ritter just, again, there was a ton of pressure. They did a great job neutralizing Will Anderson for the first 29 minutes and 50 seconds of the first half. And then they just kind of lost their way in the second when they got behind. And that's what Will Anderson does. If you get behind, he's just going to wreak havoc because you're going to eventually not going to be able to put two bodies on him. So he was, he was awesome. Bama was awesome. But my other time, like this still isn't like a vintage Bama team. I I I I'm I don't want to spoiler alert it, but I still think Georgia is better. So does yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Oh really? What did they have? How about two that? and a half Georgia? Rat poison. Okay. Yummy, <laughs> yummy rat poison. <laughs> yummy. That is yummy. Yeah. So there's something weird about no. Nick Saban using the term yummy. Like, like, I know. I know. like a four-year-old with a cupcake. Hey, he does, like, eat, for two, a preschool he, teacher. He does eat two Twinkies in the morning. I can imagine him. On, no, no. Little Debbie. Little Debbie. Debbie, little Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's little true. Debbies. He has the t- <laughs> it's like, Yummy is such a, like, preschool word. It is. I know. It's, like, yeah. weird hearing it coming out. It's my of only mouth, criticism of but... Nick Saban I can come up with. Yeah, don't use the word <laughs> yummy, coach. There it is. Rat poison. Didn't but, believe in us. No, I, I the thing that surprised me and a little bit disappointed me about Cincinnati is just I thought they would be better at the point of attack defensively. Like, I thought they could just turn this enough into a slog. I thought they were going to have a hard time moving and scoring. But I thought they would make Alabama have a harder time moving and scoring. And I thought they could drop the safeties down into the box more because they could count on their very good cornerbacks to cover. And you just go leave them on the island and hope you're good enough. But instead, they they really didn't. And so Brian Robinson all of a sudden goes for, you know, a lot of yardage, which Brian Robinson's a good, hard plugging back. But he is not he's not Najee Harris. He's not 
a difference-making athletic back. And I thought they made him into a difference maker, perhaps a little bit, just by by the way they they lined up and played against him. Um, so that was really my only my my disappointment there. But otherwise, yeah, this game unfolded with Alabama definitely being the better team, uh, not being able to blow it out and just put it away early the way Georgia did, but just inexorably like exerting their will and showing that they were better at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, I agree on Robinson. I, I, on the last podcast, called him averages grits compared to the other Alabama tailbacks that we've seen, and we've seen some pretty good tailbacks. Uh, he impressed me. There's no other way to say it. He ran yeah. he ran hard. He found holes. He was hard to bring down. They were not as sure tackling Cincinnati as we've seen in, uh, as, as we've seen in other years. But I, I tip my cap for uh, – for for the rat poison provided there on uh, on Robinson because he, he, he played had well. his best game of the season. I think he had a season high night and the game plan suited him just fine. Yeah, I I, I just you know I I was I thought Cincinnati did fine by not getting just absolutely trucked. They competed, right? Yeah. Um, they 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 kept the game close even if it was deceptive. I, I, I but I also think that the thing that that this was a you can tell Bill O'Brien and Nick Saban both are from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, right? Bill Belichick was their boss. This was a Bill Belichick game plan. I'm not going to, we're going to run it. We're going to try to make you beat us on defense. We're not going to get scared if you have a couple first downs and move the ball a little bit or some little field goal. And then we're not going to panic at any point. We're just going to stick with it because we're going to win this game. Yeah. And that, that takes, that's great coaching because it's hard to do, right? Like Belichick just won that game against the Bills where they threw it three times and they should have thrown it once, right? It's just like, hell no, stop us. And so it's very, very, it was very like, okay, I've seen this from from those two. Now, I mean, to, to Claire, Nick Saban, really, the Belichick, I mean, it was a long time ago and he's he's his own tree. But, you know, they all come from somewhere, right? All right, Orange Bowl. Look, Georgia, you know, this was the Georgia I thought we saw all season. This is why they were runaway number one. They just dominant on defense. Uh, I thought they were much more aggressive on on their front. You guys have watched. You guys covered more Georgia than I did this year, uh, and and watched them more closely. But I, like they were they were running blitzes up the middle. Uh, I thought against Alabama they sort of were like oh we'll we'll get home and they didn't uh, with and Bryce Young really made them pay. Where this one it was like McNamara didn't stand a chance at the time. They were all running for their lives and then terrific quick outlet passes just took Ajabu and, and Hutchinson out of the, out of the mix. Uh, and they just moved, they had so much talent in those running backs with the ball. My goodness. Um, so really good stuff. I thought, but anything you take from either team on this, you know, great game plan from, from Georgia, Dan, you said it, Todd Munkin utilized the flats, neutralized those strengths. And, uh, they didn't get outside of themselves on offense and they were just really consistently effective. Did they what score on they didn't score their last possession of the first half, Pat, but they scored their first four, right? Like first they, five. First five. five. Yeah. Sorry about and that. And then five, they, they, so they they turtled the last possession really yeah. kind of oddly. Oh you know? yes. And then Kirby was, blamed Stetson. That was Kirby weird. was chapped. I loved Kirby was mad late in the game though. Like he was <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they made a good point on Twitter. I think it was Kevin Skarbinski. He said, basically, Kirby is acting this way because he knows how perfect they'll have to be next time. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was he yes. was coaching the next game by yes. late second quarter. 
Yes. Now that's and that's a that's a fair way to uh, that's a fair way to put it. So I really think we can dive into this more later and I'm sure we'll do some X's and O's breakdowns and everything. But I really feel like Georgia was too simplistic against Alabama and that gave Young too much time the first time around. And I feel like we'll see a much more sophisticated game plan, meaning like last time the, the coaches who watched that game said to me, basically, Georgia came in with an arrogance. They said, we're just going to push you around and beat you. Right. That we're just going to we have better players than you. Your offensive line isn't that good. And they weren't creative. They didn't really go out of their way to create a ton of pressures. And that allowed Bryce Young to sort of have one of the greatest individual quarterback performances that we've seen in the last decade in college football. So this time around, I have a feeling that that will be a lot different. And we saw just we were reminded of I think I said in the last podcast, you're never as like good as your best game or as bad as your worst, right? And they ended up a lot closer to their best against Michigan than than their worst. And you you saw the swagger return to that unit. They were just a marauding, mauling uh, team. So it's fun to see. I mean, it's it's good on good. I'm I'm fired up for the game. Yeah. Uh, if I want to make one more real quick uh, observation on Saban, uh, and then I'll go back, go to Georgia and Michigan. But I I think it's got to be a a scary kind of almost naked feeling if you're the opposing coach. And Nick Saban's had three weeks to prepare for you, and you go into the game, and like, it's got to be pretty obvious pretty quickly. Oh yeah, he's got us figured out. It's like he he looked at Cincinnati and said, yeah. "We can run the ball against you, and we're going to." And guess what? It's up to you to stop it. And you got to be sitting there going, "Oh yeah, he's got us." Uh, now, secondly, go to the game in um, in Miami. Uh, the thing that <clears throat> stood out, yes, the game plan was great, quick. Quick throws, quick game, passing game, throw to the outside. But a lot of that, according to Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett post game, was Stetson at the line of scrimmage. A lot of those were called runs that he checked to the throws when he just counted the box, basically, and said, they're loading the box. We're, we're just going, we're going straight to the flats with these throws. And uh, so, you know, good game plan to have that flexibility, but very good awareness from Stetson to to read the things correctly and then just get it out there to his guys in space. And yeah, Brock Bowers is a beast and all the running backs are beasts. And frankly, their offensive line is very, very good. And, um, you know, uh, but the other thing they there was the one time Kirby acknowledged a little bit of chip on the shoulder was when. Michigan's offensive line came into the stadium wearing shirts that said run the damn ball. And they were the Joe Moore, a weird winning offensive line. And Josh Gaddis was the Broyles winner. And he's like, hey, we thought Dan Lanning should have won the Broyles award. And we think our offensive line's really good. And mostly, we think our defense is damn good. And we're going to kick your offensive line's ass in terms of you think you're physical. We're more physical. They were. They were. Great quote from Kirby after he he was able to avoid the uh, Gatorade bath, uh, did not get get hit by that. He said, I want to, wanted to get a real shower and start focusing on Alabama. This is a great line. They got a five to six hour head start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On a game that's going to be played on January 10th. Yeah. Yeah. Five to six hour head start. It's actually probably four, but... <laughs> Here's one development, Dan, that can't be ignored from uh, the proceedings in South Florida. Pat Forty has become the head of the Stetson Bennett fan club. 
<laughs> he really is. He fell in I, love with them. He did the column on him. He's a yeah. great interview. He's smart. You interview He's him, you'll like him. A, he had a half locker. I mean, it was all great. Like, it, was it was a good, good. story. And then good during story. the game, you could tell Pat was like, <laughs> he was like, hey, I'm ahead of the bandwagon. Who's joining me? He's throwing deep balls. Who's coming on? Me and Stetson. <laughs> me and Stetson. <laughs> he, we, he might we have been the only ones. Pat 40 the fourth by the end of the I, day. Stetson I, and I were the only ones. Dan Wetzel's on the wrong. On the on here, killing him softly. I will continue. To, I will say this podcast. Stetson Bennett proved me wrong against Michigan. Oh, number two, Michigan. Number two, Michigan, number who I believe you picked to win the game. I did. I, I, I you know, you what? had a good run with Michigan this year. You, you were due I, to, you I, know, I did. Yeah, you guys mocked me when I said they'd win eight games. Yeah, I. I, well, I was getting seven and a half points, but I did say they I, they could win the game. Maybe I said they would win the game. I don't know. Um, just when they were able to neutralize, I mean, how many yards did he? Uh, he made a couple of nice throws. I'm not Stetson better played great, and and those are great audibles, and that's a huge part of the game. But like once I saw them just throwing it out in the side, and and his running backs were just starting through, I was like, this game is over. It, it, he did it's hit a the same thing today. Like he hit a oh, couple, he threw three, a couple really nice shots. Three, three downfield shots. Yes. Three downfield shots. He did great. He did great. I was wrong. We'll see what happens against Alabama. But I was wrong against Michigan. But once they were able to do that, I was like, okay. I, I, here's the other thing he did. He took some shots. And if you recall my, my uh, I tried to be nice about it because I didn't want to get like fired. for. <laughs> but I was like, they could knock this dude out of the game, right? Right. Which is part of, fo- I'm sorry, it's football. Kill the court. I mean, like, right? You yeah, try to knock the yeah. guy out of the game. Uh, well, McCoy, he, took, right? he took some hits and, yeah. and came back. Now, J.J. McCarthy, when he was in from Oh, my God. Okay, J.J., you have a great future. You really are a good player. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> J.J. McCarthy was like, I'm going to take on those, those Georgia linebackers. It's just like, dude, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then he kept doing it. I mean... Well, <clears throat> yeah, there there were a couple of come to Jesus moments for Michigan guys there. <clears throat> like Blake Corum, every time he ran into uh, Kobe Dean, guess what happened? Corum Kobe had Dean won. Corum you had know? a tough game. Yeah, they, yeah. It, it, it was not. Michigan was outclassed in that game. I it was still a very very good season for Michigan. I, and I, I I just I feel like this is the problem with the four. Is like you make the final four and it's like a bad season because you get exposed it's like oh it's a great season it did great right you know no that's, and they yeah. should be able to build off it and and good for you and I, I just think like if there's that one win going into that maybe it feels better i don't know but this they they did at least they of the two teams from the state of michigan that have played in the playoff they scored a touchdown i mean they got that did better than michigan state 2015 yeah <laughs> low bar for northern teams in the semifinals <laughs> other than that, in iowa state yeah um 20 of the 20 Three college football playoff games to date, this is according to Sully, have been won by Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. That is not true. LSU is one. LSU, you throw LSU in there, it's 20. Yeah, Oregon's the lone one. You add in LSU, it's 22 between five teams. So 20. Yeah, okay, take LSU out. Okay, so LSU just won those two. So four teams have won 20 of the 20. This is what I'm talking about. Like, we got to spread the talent out. Right. And I don't know how to do it. But this, because uh, guess what? Should I, yeah, like I said, you know, top, I, I could throw Ohio State in on this top 101 list. 
and uh, we'd probably be at 50. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, we will uh, we'll get into all the other drama, the 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 rematch, the Kirby Smart has to slay the dragon to do this, the expect. I mean, there's a lot of good storylines. And I know a lot of the country's like, ugh, I don't want to see this again. Uh, I'm sure it won't. We'll see what kind of ratings we'll get. Uh, hopefully, uh, these guys can bubble up and we get a good job by everyone kind of getting to this game. At yeah. least we had yeah. game, you know. So we're going to get to all of that, but uh, uh, it's 2.44 now. <laughs> it's 2.44 and I'm out of beer. You might be out of beer. I'm pretty so. close. I mean, look, the, the year is two hours and 44 minutes old and we've already worked. Uh, good. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, we're sports writers. Well, Sully's the one that really has to work. Where's your show? No, that's that's right. true. Sully. Right. Yeah. Oh, Sully, we got to get you off. He's in L.A. It's Yeah, yeah. he's almost got he's to watch the ball drop. So yeah, it's what almost it? New Year's mm-hmm. for Sully. Mm-hmm. Right. We just forget. This is a college football podcast. We forget that L.A. exists. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. Actually, you could really say the whole West Coast time zone. That's the whole West Coast yeah. time zone. Yeah. Anyway, hope everyone is, uh, you know, uh, it has a great new year, and you, we help you fight through your hangovers because I know some of you guys, man. This pod didn't change the culture of their New Year's to watch those games. <laughs> I, th- I think people kept their culture pretty strong. A couple of you guys are struggling right now. I know it, but we, we're here for you. We respect you and uh, appreciate you listening. Share us on social media and uh, Continue to uh, tell your friends about us, subscribe and all of that. But uh, mostly have a good New Year's Day and, and, and everything going forward. We'll be back this week with more. Talk to you later. Enjoy the sunset over the San Gabriels. Oh, the San Gabriels. That's right. <laughs>